From Tally to Cali, it's time to wake up. Warchant.com is your ultimate seminal sports source. And this is Wake Up Warchant, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. One more, Now here's Warchant.com's ass on Hunch of Andy and Corey yeah. Clark. What's up, baby? Say cheese. Stepping out purple Mercedes. Fall in love, won't you make me? Wake up! What is up, everybody? It's Wake Up War Champ, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Coming up on today's show, rubber hits the road in Indianapolis this week, but some surprising grades on prospects at the Combine for Florida State. Storming the court. Do we need to stop the madness or embrace it? And bat and ball going strong this weekend for the Knowles. Wake Up War Champ, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. That's in Tallahassee, Florida. You know. 2475 Appalachia Parkway. You know. QR code on your screen takes you to the website, cptallybar.com. Go grab lunch today, everybody. You want a burger? It's Monday. I got a half pound black Angus juicy burger on a great bun, lettuce, tomato, onion, pickle, and a side dish of your choosing, straight fries, curly fries, onion rings, potato salad, coleslaw, broccoli, side salad, tater tots, or freshly cooked potato chips. Only $8.99. I mean, what? I mean, shrinkflation, greedflation doesn't exist at the CP, Corey Clark. Not with deals like that. Amen, my man. Amen. Corner Pocket Bar and Grill, Tallahassee, Florida. Check them out. And then for don't forget, don't forget, tomorrow, trivia night, 7 p.m. at the CP. Go do it. Hang out. Win, prosper, profit, all that good store of stuff. Good store of stuff all over at Warchant.com, the ultimate symbol, sports source. Thumbs up, five-star rating and review. Appreciate all that stuff. We're seeing more reviews trickling in, Corey. It's good to see. Um Yamlando Noel, five-star rating, must-listen for Seminole fans. Great timely updates on everything FSU sports. Lots of laughs, history, and data in each show. There we go. But hey, man, was that really was that really a Yamlando Noel, or was that an AI? That sounded like AI review. Or it was you. Yeah, it could have been you doing it too. Sorry, I don't know. Shout out though, Yamlando. Jam Lando, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but we appreciate the uh, the kind sentiments. How are you, Corey Clark? Last Monday show as a single man. That's right. That's right. I don't know if I'd say I'm single, unwed. unwed I don't okay. know that Stephanie would uh, term it as I'm single. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, man, you're right. Last Monday, uh, the next Monday we talk. I don't. I think I might be taking that week off next week, gang. So just uh, it's the week after the wedding. We're gonna try to go to Nashville for a few days. I think right. so. I, I might be taking the week off from uh, podcasting. So I apologize in advance as we get prepared for uh, spring football. I feel like I can take a week off right after the wedding, but feel good, man. Ready to go. It's a uh, reality now. It's less than a week away. Is everything in line? Is there anything I can do to help out? Like, is the the suit's been tailored and mm-hmm. Brady knows what to do with the ring and everything and. Uh, yeah, he's not. Yeah, he's not the ring bearer. Um, yeah, I think everything's good to go. We had to. Uh, Stephanie had to go by uh, a, a store and get the uh, the liquor, okay. and then we're all set. Everything else is uh, taken care of. So feel okay. good. We just we're wishing we're crossing the fingers about the weather. Okay. But right now it says it's only supposed to rain like early morning, like four a.m. Oh, and then perfect. It sh- it be it's supposed to be a high of sixty-eight. Ooh, so it should be great. Nice. How many how many groomsmen do we have? Is is Brady a groomsman? Zero. No, there's nothing like that. We're there's not integrating a... the the future patriarch of the Clark clan into this. Correct. At all. No, no. Well, no. Just there's no groomsman. Period. Like okay. it's a, it's our second wedding each. Uh, so we're trying to keep it informal. So there will be like a ten minute exchange of vows and ring placing. There'll be a first dance, which will probably be memorable. Aww. But other than that, yeah, it's not a normal wedding. It's just a big party for our friends and family. Last question before we okay. go to Seminole stuff. 
are all your previous groomsmen? Will they all be? Are they all invited to this wedding? The ones from my first wedding? Yeah. Yes, except for the one that died. Okay. So thanks for bringing that up, Aslan. Oh, good God. grief. Well, I just good wanted, grief. I just want to show that, like, you know, you've persevered through all this and you've maintained really good, solid relationships, you know? So. Well, not only that, but they're all guys that I knew in, uh, well, one I've known since I was six weeks old and everybody else I've known since middle school. My so I, I'm good at, Stephanie's much better at making new friends. Mm. Like half the people at that wedding will be her new friends. Yeah, yeah. But then I'm good at maintaining the long the long friendships, I, I guess, mm-hmm. except for the one that died. R.I.P. Carlos. Yeah, He's the guy that was on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, the movie edition where he won $250,000. And I, I was his, I was just phone a friend. Oh, that's right. But he didn't, did he, have, he didn't have to use no, it, though, right? He didn't, no, he did, but he called the other one, oh. not me. Well, you guys went to New Orleans to celebrate his legacy, right? Did like a second line thing or whatever? Yeah, I think yeah, that was, yeah, that was uh, three years ago, maybe. Yeah. It was the same day that Tiger Woods won the Masters. 2019, so that was like... Wow, has it been that long? Yeah, man. That was before COVID? Yeah, because I was there oh in 18, gosh, and then he went the next right. year after Patrick Reed. And then five years, champ. Oh I remember it was like one of the first times doing podcasting. I was like, hey, man, i got to take time off for this. I'll that is it. crazy where the time gets away from you. Like I was thinking yeah. about, obviously, as I'm about to get married again, my dad. And my dad has now been – he's been dead for almost 13 full years. That's crazy. Yeah. It just – it doesn't see – it seems like it was four days ago, and it was 13 years ago. Carlos has, I guess, been dead for – Six years? That that's crazy. Anyway, so hey, let's get on with the show. <laughs> happy, happy Monday, everybody. Let's talk yeah. seminal sports. Um, let's talk about the combine. It's going down this weekend. I think you know, hindsight twenty twenty. Obviously, I think we might should have pushed to go to Indianapolis. We should have maybe been up there this week. Just feels like mm. they, there's not a lot going on on down here. Uh, there's a lot going to be going on up there because of all the Florida State players involved. Shout out to our own Irish OFL managing editor compiled all the initial draft grades from I would almost call them Ian Zeering because isn't that the guy from 90210 Steve, yes and Steve Sharknado Sanders? Sharknado too <laughs> yeah. yeah uh it's Lance uh Lance Zeering uh, is the guy that does the stuff for uh, NFL.com or Zeerline there we go I okay. apologize close close man he's um he's he's very high on Jared Verse yeah very high on Renardo Green oh good and then he's not very high on anybody else which okay. is, is well. very interesting to me did want to ask you this one real quick, though, Corey. Uh, nice little warm-up for you. Who is he describing when he says player X has below average mass and length but makes up for it with above average quickness and a constantly revving engine? <laughs> I'm going to guess it's a guy that's gritty, maybe a coach on the field kind of kid. Uh, I would guess Braden Fisk is who he's, that who is he's correct. talking about there. Yeah. That is correct. He's got Keon graded out as 6.29 which is like the D-Rob scale. He's got his own proprietary oh, scale okay. of grading people out. Comes out to an average starter. Thinks he's not sudden enough. Doesn't have great speed. Uh, he's got- You know, I, the, when you watch Keon at the end of the year, you certainly wouldn't argue with that, right? right. I just don't know what Keon really is athletically because it, it's been since September since I think we saw him at full athleticism. But I don't know that a guy that returns punts as well as he did doesn't have some suddenness to him, especially at six four. Now, he if he was five eleven, you'd be like, yeah, that's not going to translate. But a six four kid that can move like he can laterally, I think, um, could has a chance to be good. But how would Lance? How would how would Ian Zierning, Steve Sanders? How would he know that? <laughs> he hasn't seen him play. 
he hasn't seen him at full speed. So, again, the combine, uh, you, who knows how many of these guys are running, what they're going to run, but I think the combine, if athleticism, like that kind of athleticism is, is questioned about Keon, we'll know at the end of this week whether that's justified or not, I think. Yeah. The two guys, maybe the three guys, that if they read this, which maybe their family should protect them, shield them from this, uh, man, he just didn't have a lot of good things to say about Johnny or Jaheim and Kalen. Like he, he actually has Tatum ahead of Kalen, uh, but on Jaheim, he has him as the 13th ranked rated tight end. That's okay. yeah. That, that, so he's that behind Bowers. You, that doesn't get you drafted, does it? If it does, you're a sixth or seventh rounder. I, I think with Jaheim, um, says he's a just, tweener. Says he's a tweener, yeah. undersized, lacks instincts as a lead blocker. But he can do he can do some kind of unique things with the ball when he's healthy. Again, I I just think I assume he's judging all he's making all these judgments on seeing guys at seventy percent and eighty percent. Like Jaheim against LSU, that looked like it could play. I know LSU's defense was terrible, but that that guy looked like a a, a well above average athlete as a tight end, a guy that could be a difference maker. But he had a bad ankle for really most of the rest of the year. Uh, so we haven't gotten to see him really at full speed either. I, I would be really interested. But, yeah, he didn't prove to be like one of those prototype traditional pass-catching tight ends that you see in the NFL now. But that, a lot of it was because he was hurt in the offense he was in. So, again, I, I think his athleticism plays. But, you know, I, I would be surprised if he's not drafted just because he – I mean, there aren't many dudes that are walking the earth that can play tight end on an undefeated team, go 13-0, and with a bad ankle, make the plays he made, and then the year before start at running back in SEC games. Hmm. That's just not that 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 Venn diagram is very very small, and I just feel like that kind of football ability will play at the next level. But to what extent he get to how high he gets drafted? Yeah, I think it's fair to wonder how good a blocker he is and what kind of prototypical pass catcher he's going to be in the middle of the field. Johnny, outside the top thirty as a wide receiver. Yeah, I think that's crazy. I could be wrong. I, I don't know. I just think when he played, nobody guarded him. Nobody covered him. Now, he would drop some, but he was never just – he was always open, always. And he got open at the Senior Bowl before he stopped practicing and then didn't play. So I, I, I would be – I don't – I just – I think people take for granted – Oh, he's, he doesn't move all that well. He doesn't move like I want my tight end. Like, it sounds like our man here doesn't appreciate uh, high point radius, like the ability to, to go up and make catches, and also the fact that these dudes are 6'4 and 6'7. Like, don't judge them against guys that are 6'1. Like, 6'7, moving like he moves is truly unique. But, again, there are question marks about him, too. I, I would be surprised that they're – 29 receivers drafted ahead of him says that um doesn't impose his will does flashes impressive catches but generally fails to impose his frame and strength on defenders leading to a disappointing contested catch rate for such a big man according to pro football focus he was uh 12 contested catches in 23 contested situations for a 52 percent uh percentage is that bad or really good? I, I have I don't, no idea. I, don't, I mean, for his career, uh, he's at 42%. So, But that also includes, like, you know, that time, obviously, at Arizona State. And that also includes drops. 
Like again, right. like those southern. He had four against Southern Miss that I think went down as not drops. But there are balls that are coming down. There, that he's catching them, and then they're getting knocked loose as he hits the ground. But he's going over the the guys and just not finishing the catches. But again, I just we can't, you you can't just shrug off six seven that gets open all the time. I, you just can't. Like he he's the guy that. I mean, I just think he's a first down machine. I, I just and I think he's a first down machine at the next level. But I don't, I don't know for sure. Like I again, it's all guess, it's all guesswork. But I mean, golly, I, I just again, I, I'm, I've always been so impressed with how he gets off the line for a six seven guy that's big. He is physical. Uh, he has shown the ability to make incredible catches. Um, I think the catch he made against Florida mm. to set up the first touchdown was an all time great catch by him. And just, you know, what he did in the bowl game last year, what he did multiple times, what he did at the, the final drive against Clemson that didn't end up in a field goal attempt, but they were like one first down away. He made two incredible catches in that one. Like the guy the guy makes plays and he gets, uh, he gets a lot of shots taken at him for what he can't do as if people don't appreciate the novelty, the unicorn-like aspect of a 6'7 guy that can run like that and move like that. So, again, we'll see if no, – I didn't – Nobody guarded him well in college. Let's see if it happens in the NFL. So Johnny had 182 targets in his collegiate career, and he dropped 15. So. Right. And how? I, but I, I swear, yeah, man, I don't. I, mean, 12, I don't remember I mean, him dropping any after September. They put him down having a drop against the Gators. Uh, no, I'm sorry that that was uh, 2022. Why does it always do this to me? Come um, on, Aslan. Let's oh, he had mo- he had a couple of horrible. He had a dro- yeah. he had dropped a touchdown against Florida that year. They gave him a drop against Florida this past season. I don't recall. Yeah, I don't remember that. that. I remember the drop against Florida in twenty two was a perfect throw by Jordan. Yeah. Uh, that was a touchdown, and he dropped it. Yep. Um, and he did that, that a good bit in twenty two, and then he had a bad start to the season. I mean, he still had a hundred yards against LSU, but he had a couple critical drops in that one. He had a bad drop against Oklahoma. Uh, but then he also had 200 yards against Oklahoma. He had the bad drop against Florida at the end of 22, and then made the catch that kind of saved the game when Florida was getting close. The third, the the catch on third down where he just went up over the guy. So again, I get it, man. Drops are an issue. Uh, if he doesn't get it figured out, he won't be in the league for all that long. But I, I would be, I would certainly be willing to take a shot on that guy. I just think he's a he's a unique playmaker uh, that that I think could can excel. At the next level, just not take, excel. He right. can be a he can be a long time player at the next level because he's just that size isn't going anywhere. Right, it just isn't, and it's not like he's six seven and slow. Like again, he dropped the one against Florida. He was open in the end zone, running past a five ten cornerback. He dropped an eighty yard touchdown against Oklahoma. He got behind the defense. Like that back when Florida State used to throw deep balls, got behind the got behind the defense for what would have been an 80-yard score. He then came back later in the game and mossed that kid to set up the game-winning field goal. But he, again, we we take for granted like yes, he dropped some balls, but like it's the the, the first well catching is the number one thing, but a, a a really key component of good wide receivers is getting open, and it just seemed like he was open all the time the last two years when he was playing. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. He ran a four five nine in high school. Yeah, uh, maybe. Mike Evans ran a four five three in Indianapolis. Um, 
I'm not sure I believe the 459 in high school, but right. the, all those high school numbers are fudged. If Johnny gets anywhere in the four fives. Oh, my gosh, yeah. He's yeah, a that's a piece of – I think he's Slam a second-day pick. I think he's absolutely a second-day pick. Um, all right, we'll see how it all works out. I mean, again, they got 12 guys, so I'm putting like, well, like eight and a half actually getting drafted, as we sit here and talk about it before they perform in Indianapolis. Which when will, does it start? Does it start today? Does it start Monday? Maybe they start reporting and taking photos and meeting with teams, but it's like Thursday uh, is the actual like on-field stuff with the defensive linemen, linebackers. Friday is DBs, tight ends. Saturday, skill guys, quarterbacks, receivers, running backs, and then uh, Sunday, offensive linemen. Okay. All right. So, um, well, maybe that's why nobody's going to be in Indianapolis because it's during the war chant wedding of the century. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Um, so yeah, you're right. Linemen and linebackers are Thursday, so that'll be fun. Yeah. You get uh, you get Verse, Fist, Deloach, Bethune, Love it. I guess you have five guys going that day. That'll be fun. Shout out to you, awesome folks over at WarChant.com. You subscribers, we love you, folks. F R F R, I Y K Y K. Good strong thread. Four pages. Seminal opinion you completely believe that many Knowles don't agree with. Uh, I'm not going to put you on the spot and ask you to give us one, Corey, but I did see this one. I want to get your thoughts on it. Smith's DFL. His opinion that he completely believes in that many Knowles don't agree with him is that the one loss 1992 team was better than the 1993 national championship team. Thoughts. So, yeah, he's right at the end of the year. But the, the, the difference there is that at the end of the year is when they finally went to the shotgun. So, yeah, you had – yeah, I don't, I don't want to say he's right. He's really close to being right, man. He had Marvin and Derek Brooks. He had Marvin on the team, you know. So, love Ken Alexander, really good Noel, maybe the smartest football player that's ever come through floor, that program, just an incredible brain. Uh, but – Man, I don't know. I think you'd rather have Marvin in South Bend in 93. I, I just think at the end of the year, if you take what they were doing at the end of the year, then yes, probably. Because I think that defense was a tick better, maybe. And the offense was what it ended up being. There's two differences, though. So what you'd have to weigh out, Aslan, as I do this in my head off the cuff, mm. is – Marvin Jones on the defense in 92. That's a plus for the 92 team. And that 92 defense was really good, man. Uh, really good at the end of the year. Really good all year, actually. I think Miami, when Miami scored one two touchdowns, and that was the national champion runner-up uh, at home. Then, uh, But then, you know, you didn't have work done. So that's the difference. I think that's the difference. They didn't run as well in 92. As an offense, they didn't have work done, which was a big miss. Uh, but Vanover was probably a little bit better as a wide receiver in 92 as a true freshman. Ah, it's tough. It's a good question. It's a good point. But if you go the overall, the overall seasons, no, because the 92 offense struggled mightily at times. So one game they scored. They scored a. They scored one touchdown. They didn't score any touchdowns against Miami in 92. The first, the only touchdown they scored was a kick return by Vanover. And after that, it was three field goals and then, you know, one that they didn't make right there at the end. Um, the the 93 offense never did anything close to that. But the 93 offense had the benefit of being shotgun the whole season. And now I'm done talking. Good question. Hey, get over to wordchant.com, gang. Get involved. Get in the mix. Mix it up in there. Yeah, mix it up in there in the, in the message boards. 92 defense was uh, 12th in total defense, 13th in scoring defense. 
Florida State 93 defense was number one, right? Um, I think they were number one in scoring offense and scoring defense. All I right. think. All right, yeah, well, man, they were pretty darn good now that I think about it. Like, if you think about what the Florida, you know, Florida put up. I can't remember, now, all of a sudden, I can't even remember the score of the 92 Florida game. That's crazy. Uh, but I remember Florida's offense put up three touchdowns in 93. And I feel was like that they 13 did. to nine or something gross. Or no, that was 91. 91. That was 91. The 92 win was where Florida state had 38 points at the half. I think that final was like 45 to 24. Um, Terry Dean's or whoever it was, was it Terry Dean? Shane Matthews, maybe Shane Matthews sat out the second half. Cause the game was out of reach. Cause they had to play Alabama the next week. And he had to throw a pick six to put Alabama in the national championship game. But either way, um, you know, so it's it's close, man. It's it's close. The 93 defense was obviously statistically much, much better. But I just think that had to do some with the schedule. Um, and they overwhelmed people with that offense. But that 92 offense didn't overwhelm people until they went to the shotgun. Literally, folks, I'll, this last point I made. they For eight games, they would not go to the shotgun. Even after what they did to Georgia Tech in the fourth quarter, where Charlie Ward had like 204 yards in the quarter alone in the fourth quarter to come back and win. The next game they go to Virginia and score 13 points, 13 to three. That's it, 13. And then they decided, you know what? Why don't we just do the no huddle shotgun fast break the whole game? And they put up 69 against Maryland. They put up 70, I think 70 against Tulane the next week, and then have 38 at the half against the top five Florida team. And they would have put up 50 on Nebraska, but it poured rain. So that offense that you saw in 93 really started rolling at the end of 92. Florida State, sixth in total defense in 1993, first in scoring defense in 1993, first in scoring offense in 19. Yeah, they were, there was a month into the season where I think Derek Brooks was outscoring the opponents by himself because he had three touchdowns within the first four weeks of the season on defense, and he had more points than the other teams. Yeah, you know – now I've taught myself back out of it. The, not, no, the 93, the 93 team was better. Let's go. All right. Um, I also need you to, to set me straight on this one. Noel 61, uh, I-20 Noel, uh, and myself uh, subscribe to this one. Two loss, 2,000 FSU was better than the undefeated 1999 team. No, no, no. I think, I think... I think the 2000 defense was better. In fact, I don't think that. I know that. You know, the only game that anybody really did anything to them was Miami, and that's when it was 100 degrees. And you know, as you watch the fourth quarter of that game, folks, like it was just teams going back and forth and scoring points uh, because the, it was just so hot that the defense was just done. Both defenses were done at the end. It was a new, back then when the biggest games were kicked off at noon mm. because why wouldn't they be? Hey, cartoons are over. Get ready for the biggest game of the season, folks. Uh, just ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, noon in Miami, like late September, was just as hot as hot could be. Um, the 2000 defense was better. The 99 offense, though, man, had Peter Warwick. And, and Seabass. The two thousand, yeah, you're right. Oh yeah, that's really yeah. what it is. Love yeah, you, good mean, point. Not, not to not to marginalize Peter Warwick. Yeah, uh, but you kind of got the production out of Snoop that you had from P Dub. But like the the whole not having even remotely a competent kicker yeah. versus having well, it cost them the rate. Miami game. Yeah, well, yeah, it yeah. Cost them and so in the the ninety nine team, yeah, man, they they had a they had more than just a couple of close games. Like they beat Georgia Tech by six. I think they beat Clemson by three. Obviously, the, the Virginia Tech game, they were losing in the fourth quarter. They beat Florida by seven. 
the 2000 team basically blew everybody out but Miami. Uh, now, the 99 team did beat Miami, but that wasn't the same Miami. Miami had you – know, that was a younger Ed Reed and a younger Sean Taylor. They were starting to – whoever was on the uh, – just name a you know first-round pick. They were all freshmen. They were all babies, freshmen and sophomore on 99. They started growing into being an unbelievable team in 2000. But, yeah, well – it's, I don't know, man. It's, there's it's, no way the 99 team go even without Peter Warwick, without Menace. Like they, there's no way the 99 team goes a whole game and doesn't score a touchdown, doesn't score any points at all. That's crazy. So that's why I would still pick 99. The offense was just better. Uh, I wish I could have pulled up 2000 in time, but yeah, the 99 team, 10th in scoring defense, 19th in total defense, fifth uh, in uh, scoring offense. That 2000 defense was a juggernaut, man. Like that Oklahoma team, they I think they well they only scored one touchdown. That was a high scoring offense, yep. and they scored one touchdown. I think that was in the fourth quarter uh, to put the basically put the game away because the offense couldn't do jack squat. Because Mark Rick, his head was already in Athens because mm. he had already taken the UGA job. Let me just look at this real quick. Scoring offense, Florida State third scoring offense in two thousand and the number one um, total offense. Okay. That's what it comes down to. I just remember Winky just dropping bombs. I mean, people, he threw for like you know. I think he threw over five hundred a couple of times, yeah. and he had like four four ninety against Miami. He threw for almost five hundred yards against Miami back in two thousand when nobody did that. That's crazy. But yeah, couldn't kick. What do you need a kicker for? Uh, sixth in total defense, second in scoring defense. So statistically, a better team than ninety nine. Like yeah. Yeah, and, and schedule wise, like that 2000 Miami team was a little bit better yeah. uh, than the 99 Miami team. Florida I think team Florida was Florida similar. Team was both were yeah. Florida. Florida was similar. They're both good teams. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a, hey, again though, two points in the national championship yes. game. It's hard to it's hard to vault you ahead of the 99 team. You can't go into a national championship team game. Oklahoma had a very good defense and get shut out. Come on now. Well, maybe if Mark Rick would have taken his Vitamin Energy Focus mm. Plus, he would have been able to focus on winning a national championship well and getting ready for taking over in Georgia. Now, did he take over for Vince Dooley? No, no, he took over Jim for Donnan? Jim Donnan. All Jim right. Donnan. Yeah, there's somebody in the mix there. I didn't take my Focus Plus. I'm taking my Workout Plus in a little bit, getting ready for the Monday workout. Not going to get pinned on anything today, hopefully. Good. Gosh willing. Vitamin Energy, everybody. VitaminEnergy.com, promo code WARCHAMPBOGO. Use that buy one item, get one of Equal Rest Revive for absolutely free. You know that it's not only the energy, the 260 milligrams of all natural caffeine, but the vitamins, the nutrients packed in every single bottle, getting you on your best. We've got some Arginine. We've got some Carnitine. The pump's going to be off the chain. I can't believe I just said off the chain, Corey. Mm. But I like it a lot. Vitamin Energy, try it, everybody. I take a half shot. You don't have to take the whole thing, but if you really want to get to your absolute maximum peak efficiency. Maybe take the whole bottle. Try it, though. The variety pack is there for your choosing. I also like the Immune Plus because the Tango Orange remains undefeated. Uh, it is a popular opinion that is not debated. It is the uh, the best flavor they have available. Try it out. VitaminEnergy.com, promo code WARCHAMPBOGO. Noel's helping you folks out. Shake it and take it. Energy with benefits. VitaminEnergy.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You covered hoops on Saturday, Corey? You take one for the team? I did, yeah. Well, I mean, I watched it. I wasn't at Clemson, but I did watch it. Yeah. Uh, what happened, man? Uh, you know, Anything they're not new? as good. Same thing? Same, same they're stuff. not as good as Clemson. Yeah. Well, you know what was interesting, though? Um, I hope some folks are interested in this. With about, I don't know, eight minutes left to go in the game, uh, the Knowles actually switched defenses and went to like a – I, I don't even know how to zone? describe it. Like, I, yeah, it wasn't a normal zone. Like, Jalen Worley was, like, just roving, like a free safety. Uh, speaking of the great Sean Taylor in Ed yeah. Reed, just a free safety Roman, and Clemson really struggled with it. Like, they didn't uh, – they really slowed down. They they took horrible shots. Now, they were able to get a few rebounds and, and hit enough shots to, to win the game. But, uh, you know, that was good to see. I, I thought – you know, uh, look, it's hindsight. They're 14 and 13. They're not making the NCAA tournament unless they win the ACC tournament. Um, but it was good to see that they were willing to do that, to not just give teams what they want or what they know is coming. Like, Brad L's been coaching against Leonard for, I don't know, 15 years. So he knows the deal. He knows they're going to switch everything. And, and it started out, you know, they just like they did in the last game. Normally, when teams play Florida State, the advantage they take is when you, you put a center – on their point guard, their point guard's going to the rim. Or he's going to pop a three in his face because he has to back up too far to to actually get a hand up. What Clemson likes to do is when you switch to that point guard on the center, when your point guard is trying to guard their center because you've switched, they'll feed the post. And you got a little guy trying to guard a big guy, and they're going to get buckets that way. I thought Florida State did a much better job with that. Aspect and they when they then when they played Clemson the first time they rebounded better they didn't still didn't out rebound them but they didn't get crushed they fought hard on the glass and they fought hard in general man they like they do like I, it looked to me like with about 15 minutes to go 14 minutes to go it's like okay this is gonna be the first like blowout loss like they can't make any shots Clemson's guarding them really tough they're swatting everything it's a tough whistle. Man, they're just they, – they have an excuse to – Clemson's trying to play for the NCAA tournament. They have an excuse to go lay down. Not an excuse, but it just looked like it was heading in that direction. They were down 16 in the second half. Next thing you know, they're down by five with six minutes to go, and Darren Green's got a three from the top of the key to cut it to two. But, of course, he missed it because why would he make that? And they never got closer than five the rest of the game. But, I, again, the one thing you can say about them, unlike last year, is this team does scratch and claw and fight and play uh, with some pride. I like that they played a different kind of defense that Clemson clearly wasn't ready for. I do think that's part of coaching is to switch things up. Don't just do all the time what other teams expect you to do, especially when you're not great at it. Like Florida State isn't a great defensive team. So occasionally, and when you're getting called for every foul when you get near someone. Switch it up to his own. You've got long guys. Worley and Watkins are great getting in passing lanes. 
use that to your advantage a little bit. And they almost got like five steals. So they were, they were close. They just can't shoot. Other than Watkins, they don't have guys that, that can really go get buckets. Except Primo had a nice game off the bench. Really nice game, actually. But the rest of the bench was terrible. They scored. Primo had 16. The rest of the bench combined had two on one of 11 shooting. Chandler Jackson had 19 in the game before starting. In this game, he had zero. Aww. So maybe maybe, maybe start him and bench Darren Green. Let oh. Darren Green come off the bench and be like a – because I just think Chandler does more for you. As a starter, especially Darren Green, man, I don't. I, I should go look it up. Maybe you could look it up while I'm yapping. When's the last time he had like a big night shooting? Like I feel like he 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 was over in this game. By the way, he scored. He didn't hit a three, which he's that's what he's on the floor for. He didn't hit a three. The ones he took were bad shots. Um, I thought. And he's not. You know, every other team. Gerard even hit four. Gerard hit four for Clemson. Every team they play. Obviously, the Duke kid hit eight. The Virginia kid hit seven. And Florida State's guy that is supposed to be that guy hasn't had one of those games in like a month. And it's killing him. And, you know, Chandler Jackson recently, I feel like, has shot the three just as well as Darren Green and can actually get in the paint and make plays for other people and make shots himself. So I, I don't know. I, I But, I mean, I'm sure they'll start Darren Green. but He hasn't hit more than three three-pointers in a game since December 19th when he was six of eight against North Florida. Yeah, man, you see what I mean? Like that, that you know, that's just not when you're when you're and he's in the shooting ACC, thirty and he's shooting thirty seven percent on the season, which isn't terrible, which, but you want to be no, it's not, but it's not what you want. Yeah. You know that the you when know, you're the just, only guy that I mean, that's yeah. kind of your your task. Now he takes more than most, and he takes a lot of contested ones too. Some at the end of a shot clock and long ones, but man, it's not that he's. It's not even the percentage. It's like when are you going to go off? Right. Like. You know, he did that a few times last year. I think he scored 30 in a game last year. He had multiple games where I feel like he hit five or six threes. But those were also games where they lost. It felt like they lost by 20. And so maybe the pressure wasn't. I don't know. I don't know. I just I feel like the sharpshooter has to make big shots when he gets a chance to. And I, apparently, I don't know if he's struggling with something injury-wise. Obviously, he didn't play Tuesday night. But it's hard to it's hard to look at how they played Tuesday against Boston College offensively. I know Chandler had a great night. He's not always going to go for 19 points. He hit threes. but And then and then see how they play and how disjointed they were and how bad they were shooting for most of the night on Saturday against a better team, clearly, and not think, man, maybe maybe Chandler should be – if Darren's not going to make threes for you anyway, Chandler's a more all-around all player. Ch- Chandler Jackson I'm talking about. So, But what does it matter? You're shifting the deck chairs on the Titanic at this point. I, and I don't mean that as in like they're all <laughs> – they're all going to die, and the ship is sinking into the bottom of the ocean. I just mean they're not making the tournament either way. So, at this point in the season, I don't know that it makes a difference. That's the same. It's kind of my same mentality about switching the defense like they did. It worked out great, but it's also the 27th game into the season that they that decided to do that. I don't know what what that really does for them moving forward, but you know it is nice to know that it's in their tool bag if they need it, I guess. And also, Jameer Watkins is uh, man, he's just a Bonified. really good college basketball player man I wish he had better guys around him that guy um that guy is a warrior dude he 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 plays hard the whole game he plays a ton of minutes um he's the leading rebounder he had another eight on uh, on Saturday he got into an altercation with PJ Hall which I love him for because mm-hmm. that guy is very unlikable and he chicken wing Watkins I'm glad the refs saw that by the way did you watch that I missed it no 
So late in the game, Florida State's down by seven. It's over. They should stop fouling, but they won't. They want people to lose money that bet Florida State plus nine and a half. <laughs> so they keep fouling. Well, he fouls P.J. Hall. He tries to grab the ball, but then he, he doesn't. They end up calling for a foul. And P.J. Hall, who's that big meathead-looking dude for Clemson, who's a very good player, by the way. I'm not saying he's not. But he kind of chicken wings him with his elbow. Like Watkins, like pretty hard, like get off me with his elbow. And Watkins didn't like it, so he pushes him in the back. And Hall falls down as if he just got sniped by someone in the rafters. And they call a technical initially on Watkins for the push. Number one, Watkins is a strong kid, but he's not strong enough to be pushing P.J. Hall down like he's a child. Uh, Watkins or Hall really embellished that. And they go back and look at the monitor and say, you know what? Hall gets a technical too for the elbow. Nice. So they caught you know how the, the saying is they never catch the first guy they always catch the second guy right with the monitor they caught them both All so right. Hall ended up fouling out on that play didn't end up mattering though because Florida State didn't score down the stretch and kept fouling so they lost by eleven but anyway back to Watkins I love that he did that that he got involved there and he is just a he is a competitor man I don't know what happened at VCU where he wasn't this guy for them but he's averaging fifteen a game in the ACC. He's the leading rebounder on an ACC team. He's always getting deflections and steals and blocks. He plays so hard. He gets into the paint. He's a great finisher. I just like the guy, man. I just like the way he, he's been a great addition. And it's going to get overlooked because they're having another mediocre season. But he's been a stellar player. And he should be, I don't know, man, all ACC third team at least. Like he's a he's a dyna, dy, not dynamic, but he's a very, very good basketball player. Well-rounded, well-rounded. He is. Good for him. You can't say that about a lot of the other guys. And look, I, I think Leonard's coming back. I would expect him to come back at this point. You can't go into next season um, with this kind of shooting. You're losing Darren Green. I know I say this. It's every week. But you're losing Darren Green. Um, Tom House is just a miss, man. I don't, I don't know what else to say. Like, unless he gets much, much better between his second year and his third year, um, where he didn't even play. Um, and you need shooting. Like that's what he's on the team for is shooting. Clemson went to zone, and you don't you you don't put Tom House in the game to even shoot. And then Nickelberry was a I, I don't I have no idea what happened there. He was coming in as a sharpshooter, man. Like I don't know what his stats were at LaSalle, but he was a guy that would hit four and five threes a game. He's hit thirteen all year. I think he's thirteen out of fifty. So that's my quick math tells me he's shooting 26% from three. And he's supposed to be, I think, coming into the season, was supposed to be your second best shooter. Well, Tom so, House? No, no, Nickelberry. Oh, sorry. The LaSalle transfer. Yeah, yeah, who had done it, had done it in college. Like, he was supposed to be kind of a known commodity. Like, here's a guy that occasionally is going to hit four or five threes in a game. And he's barely hit that all season. So that's uh, that's been disappointing, too. So they've got to do better about giving. If Jameer Watkins had guys he could kick out to open threes for who would actually make them. I think Baba. I think Baba's like second on the team in threes. Nice game for Baba, by the way, on Saturday, but not enough. They just they don't have enough pieces, but they do play hard, which is a step above last year. And how about Matthew Cleveland's going to miss the uh, tournament again? Oh, no. Oh, yeah, because Miami's not great or is he hurt? No, they lost again. Oh. They've lost like five or six in a row. Uh, they're like 15 and 13. They went to the Final Four last I year. I know. And they brought back most of that team. Man. Yes, and added Florida State's best player, yeah. quote-unquote, and uh, they're not going to make the tournament. So uh, We're three minutes removed from talking about an altercation, but did you see Cam Newton getting to his scrap? I did. And uh, it kind of reminded me, um, when you see E.J. Manuel in person, 
and I'm not just saying this because they're both black quarterbacks, folks. I'm saying it because they're both huge human beings that happen to play quarterback. And I've sat, I've stood next to EJ Manuel. He is a huge individual. He's six I five, right? I, I think he might be close to six. I mean, he might be six six. But especially when he was at Florida State, he was six six, like 230, 225, and looked like a defensive end. And Cam Newton is bigger than him. And what that video that I'm sure most of you have seen by now, because uh, it, it got released on Sunday night, Sunday evening. Uh, I mean, he's just he's toying with three dudes as if they're children, yeah. three grownups. I have no idea what started it. I think it's at a seven on seven tournament, right? For all we know, they might have been might have been a kid. One of them might have been a teenager. But like, they all went after Cam. Yeah, and that's a dumb thing to do. It is. It's it a is. dumb thing to do um, because he is a enormous human being. That just because he played quarterback. I mean, you watched him play. Well, maybe these people didn't, but the dude wasn't soft. Yeah. I mean, he 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 ran for a thousand yards in the SEC. He's a huge dude, man, and that and like football strong is so much different than like you and I strong. Right. You know what I mean? Like we're strong. I'm strong for my size, but if Cam you strong, Newton, hey Corey, if you strong, then I'm strong. Right, we strong, <laughs> then we strong. But uh, yeah, he Cam Newton would put me on his knee and just spank me, and there's nothing I can do about it. He would hold me with one hand. Like, those football dudes are just a different kind of strong, and those guys found out. Especially an NFL dude, like a borderline – I guess he's not close to a Hall of Famer, but a former NFL MVP, Heisman winner, 6'6", I don't know, 900 – I don't know what how old, how big Cam Newton is. He was, at six, he was listed at 6'5", 245 his last, uh, his last year in the league. He's a 34-year-old grown man. Yeah, yeah and, and he but, proved it. I can't think of anything worse than wanting to fight somebody larger than me than swinging on them with a backpack on. Like, yeah. what was the guy doing with the backpack? It was absurd. And then shout out to, I, I don't even know how I the I think the stopped. thing is, though, Aslan, the play there is what if he starts taking his backpack off? Like, oh, you ready? Right. And start, you can't You can't you do that. Go. You're yeah. in real trouble. You yeah. got to go even with the backpack on. Yeah. You don't want Cam to know you're coming. Yeah. How'd the hat stay on? Do we have any Exactly. Theories? I don't know. I think he's got a chin strap to him. Okay. All right. Uh, also, bringing it back to basketball, where are you on, on storming the court? We saw what happened Saturday in Wake Forest yeah. uh, after uh, the Demon Deacons took down Duke and then Filipowski, uh, guess, was collateral damage. He got bumped into by uh, <laughs> yeah. hey, his fault. Why are you on the court, Filipowski? Um, you know, a couple of people from ESPN, I, I guess people who are like behind the scenes, not actual writers or journalists, but their their names are on the byline for a store that kind of was opening the door for wanting to create more discussion around, I don't know, governing policing something about storming the court because apparently a lot of people think something needs to change. Caitlin Clark got bumped into earlier in the year, I yeah. think, or maybe late last year. Uh, that was a little bit of a scare as well. Uh, you know, I've been at the Tucker Center when I was a student, I think, twice when they stormed the court. I did not because I was up in the, the third tier or whatever. Um, I don't know how they can do it uh, better but I, I don't know. I, just, I don't want to throw the baby out the bathwater and start being like, we got to stop doing this overall. But where do, what is your stance? Do you have any bright ideas, or do you just think that something's got to give and we got to stop it? I mean, I wouldn't have mind Filipowski just starts throwing, <laughs> just start swinging. I mean, he's 6'10". I don't know what he's listed at, but he's got a reach advantage over all those Wake Forest students. And, like, um, I, that one, look, I, I've never really had an issue with court storming. The Caitlin Clark thing was like literally there was so much space on the – you wasn't even a storm. Right. That was a drizzle. It was one student – I mean, there were like 30 students. There's one just running to the middle of the court. There's a ton of empty space. 
and sh- they just happen to not see each other. Because the one girl's looking at her phone, because well, how could you not? And then Caitlin Clark is looking off somewhere else, and they collide. Uh, that was a much worse collision, actually, than the one that Filipowski had, I thought. But the crazy thing with the wake win, and I, it struck me immediately, is how they were all sprinting as if the court was wide, like they were in a field. Like, let's race to that basket. Let's go. As if there weren't other human beings maybe possibly in their way. I love that the kid that clipped Filipowski basically went ass overhead onto the court. I thought that was great. Like, why are you running so fast? Where are you even going? Well, that's are how you... those things work, man. No one's just – they're not sauntering onto the court. you got to run or but else But where are you running – Where? Yeah. what are you running to in such a hurry? Mid-court yeah. or to the players or to the other basket? Like, they were sprinting as if – I mean, literally, guys, go back and watch it. Like, I've never – it was so fast. It was Black Friday. Like, I'm just storming Target. Right, you know? like Best Buy had just opened yeah. up. Uh, it was it was really bizarre, and it really – that's the first time one of those things – where I'm like, dude, that's that was kind of scary looking. Like it was, it was dozens. I know they're small and they're weight kids. You can make all your jokes, but there's dozens of them sprinting as, quite frankly, as if they're running away from gunfire. That's how fast they're sprinting, right into guys that are still on the basketball court. And it was this. It was yeah, you're right. It's like it was like the start of a a, a marathon or something, or or the start of a Black Friday. And uh, that, I, I just didn't like that it was so easy for them to get a running start. And the Duke, and the Duke kids had no ch- time to get off the court. And their coach isn't as smart as Roy Williams, who takes all his players out. I, but the thing is, is I, I want to know who called the timeout. Like, Duke made a Wake, – Wake got fouled up by two. And they made both free throws with, like, whatever it was, 1.8 seconds left. Somebody called a timeout with a four-point game, less than two seconds left, and Duke has no timeout. Oh, it had to be Wake. What are you calling a timeout for? You just made – so I think that timeout, that two-and-a-half extra minutes, gave the students more time to get in position. They knew the game was over. Like, if it would have ended like a normal basketball game, he makes the two free throws. They're They're down by four. Duke throws a baseball pass. It gets stolen. There is a pause before those students can get to the edge of the court to sprint. They have to get out of their seats. They have to get out of the stands. They have to run down. They were all poised in sprinter stances because Forbes had called a timeout with, for whatever reason with four seconds to go, with one second to go, up by four. And so they all got in position. But, yeah, as far as the question you asked me, um, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know what you do. I mean, it, I, could live or, I, I could take or leave court storms. You know, that one was a real one. There seemed to be, like, real emotion and yeah. euphoria in that. So many of them just look completely corny. Like, you're just doing it because you saw kids do it two weeks ago or because your parents did it when they were here in the 90s, and you just want to say you're a part of a court storming. You don't really care. You've been on your phone most of the game. You haven't been watching this thing. So, I don't know. I, I what What is going to happen is – the next time something like that happens in a football game, or not the next time, but one of these times, there will be somebody like a Filipowski or his buddies that served as a cocoon that will start throwing punches. And they will have every right to do it because they don't feel safe. Like, I don't think Filipowski, I mean, he had a cocoon around him. Those walk-ons came and served their purpose <laughs> and uh, and wrapped, them, wrapped themselves around him. But, like, you know, 
it, it, you see it at football games too. Like I am all for if somebody comes up to Caleb Williams and said, what's on your nails, show me your nails, like happened this past year in one of the field stormings, punch that kid in the face. He won't do it again, I promise. And you are you, – if somebody's up in your personal space talking-ish to you, um, you, you and, and provoking you, who, why, why does the 20-year-old have to be the bigger person? You know, you're, you, there are repercussions in this life. If you go and sprint into a future NBA basketball player that's 6'10", 250, and clip him and sprain his ankle because you're too busy running to midcourt to have any – spatial awareness or just awareness in general, and you slam into him, all right, well, here's a foot in your face. Sorry, I'm not trying to kill you, but you're on the ground. Here you go. I'll kick you in the stomach or get up so I can punch you. Like, there are repercussions for doing dumb stuff. There, You know, th- those kids don't have cocoons around them either. And I always remember this, Aslan. This takes me back to 15 years ago about that. I was covering uh, – you know what? It, it was the <laughs> – it was the day that the news broke about Jameis. So two, it was 11 years ago, 2013. Um, Florida State, maybe the third basketball game of the season. It's South Florida. I think it's South Florida. It might have been Central Florida. But it's the 2013-2014 season. Michael Ojo is shooting a free throw. You, we all remember, I hope most of you remember what Michael Ojo, RIP, great, great person, mm-hmm. uh, just a teddy bear of a human being, but a large human being. Probably the biggest person I've ever actually seen in person. I mean, just unbelievably big. 7'1", 240, just made a muscle. And there's a kid behind me in the student section. I wish I knew. I think it's Central Florida. It was um, UCF, yeah. Okay. That's, call, that's yelling at him and calling him a gorilla and oh telling him, gosh. why. how did he get out of the zoo? Oh, my gosh. It's crazy, right? And I, I think I tweeted about it at the time. Just awful stuff. Maybe I wrote a com about it. Because I think Marcus Smart had gone into the stands against someone oh, yeah. in that year, and it, yeah. somebody grabbed him or said something to him. He turned around, and people gave him grief. And I was like, I, I would have – if Michael Ojo came over, I would have pointed out the kid that was saying it. And I would have helped him pull him out of the student section so Ojo could just beat the living tar out of him. Like these – there's so many people in general, not just, not just students, that feel like because they're in the bleachers – or because they paid a, a price to watch this game, they're not still on planet Earth. They're not like there's some barrier where the person they're talking to isn't a real life human being that at any moment can come over and snap their neck. Like there's no there's no glass here. You're not you're not you're not in a skyscraper two blocks away. That kid's fifteen feet from you. And if you said that to him in a bar, he would throw you through the window. So why do you feel like you can say that now? And I just, again, eventually when this happens, when it finally will stop is when there is a, an actual altercation where a kid just starts hauling off on, a, on one of the students. And then his buddies or other students are going to come jump on that kid. And then obviously the, the basketball team is going to or the football team is going to come back and it is going to be a melee. And is that worth it to, to storm the court? I, I don't know. It'd be kind of cool to watch, honestly. So maybe it is worth it. It's but like I Royal mean, Rumble. Yeah, I mean, hey, I, it's going to happen eventually unless they unless they ban them. And I don't know that they're going to ban them, so we'll, we'll see it one of these days. Well, that, I mean, they probably could. I mean, I'm, I'm wondering, like, you know, they can. I mean, in this story, it talks about, I think Kim Mulkey was quoted in it as well, saying, you know, 
it's just they're out. It's just numbers. Like they're as much security is on hand at these games. It's not as much as seven hundred students rushing onto a court. Right. Um, but it feels like yeah, if you said like if you if you storm the court, you will get arrested. Like, I feel like that would at least slash it by like seventy five percent of of the participants. I'm oh, it would that- slash it completely. If you said, look, it's twenty twenty four. We have video. We've taken video of all all of your faces because we have, you know, surveillance and we're going to have a security barrier set up. Number one, if you run into a security guard, you're going to get arrested on the spot. If you don't and you somehow sneak onto the court, we will see you and you will be arrested or expelled. Oh, that would stop it away. in a heartbeat. Yeah, that would. Yeah, that would stop it. Uh, how about this? So according to the story from ESPN, uh, there's not official statistics on this stuff, but they've reviewed it. And there's been about three court storms a week over the past three months in this season alone. Dude, that's crazy. So I feel like we need to have the replay booth needs. Someone needs to make a declaration um, like, OK, we are now in the zone where this can now be a, an acceptable court storming situation. And it needs to be announced, like on the jumbotron. Like, oh, like yes, this is. Yeah, yeah. Because it feels like storm the court. Because the whole point of it's it's supposed to be like a real like you're knocking off the number one team in the country. You're not. You can't be just because you beat the seventeenth team in the country. And it seems like it's it's getting that way because everybody wants to live stream it, um, and get a couple clicks. But I feel like Creighton did it earlier this year or earlier this week, last well, week. They, they beat, beat UConn. UConn. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, but they did it, but it wasn't. I don't feel like it was the same level of urgency getting on the court right. by the Creighton fans. At least make them hard, make it hard for them to get down there. Like make it where they have to. It's forty-five seconds or a minute where they're trying to. And also, here's another thing: these kids aren't nine years old. They don't have to shake hands after a game. Mm. How about that? Yeah, the good coaches game. too, good right? Game. Like, yeah, just look over, yeah. like, point at each other. Like, All right, good game. I'm out. You know, of like here. they do in the NBA. Imagine the NBA after every game. Chris Paul's going over and shaking whoever James Harden's hand. Hey, man, great game, great game, good game, good game. Like Brady does after a JV baseball game. Like, get rid of the handshake line, and then the as soon as the like, then you. I mean, it wouldn't matter in Filipowski's case. Um, that was just unbelievable because they were on the court so quickly. He got swallowed up like piranha. But normally, if there's any altercations, it's because those guys are in the stupid handshake line that they don't need to be in. If you really want to go tell somebody good game, go find their locker room afterwards and say, hey, dog, you played your butt off. That was It was really fun competing against you. You don't have to do it. I don't know. It just What are we doing with the handshake line? What are we doing? And another thing. I'm just kidding. I'm just I'm tired of sounding like such an old man. Uh, MyBookie.ag promo code is WarChant. Use that. Get an instant cash deposit bonus when you sign up for the first time. Uh, NBA, NHL, tennis, PGA. It's all available. NASCAR, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We got Heisman odds, Corey, for the Let's upcoming go. season. Um, Carson Beck plus nine ten. The odds on favorite. He and Quinn Ewers of Texas all both right. the plus nine ten. What about Arch Manning? Arch Manning, is he on the board? I can't imagine. It's, he's a backup. Well, you never know. I mean, there's some backups on here, I would think. There's guys I've never even heard of. Jaden Rashad is on the board. That's good okay. for him. Plus DJ? Uh, DJ is plus 2,800. Okay. Cam Ward is plus 2,400. All right. Actually, DJ's 2,900, plus 2,900. Arch Manning's plus 14,000. Okay, yeah. Hey, guys, that's just put value. 100 bucks on it. Yeah, well, I mean, what if value. Quinn Ewers goes down and he starts winning games? Exactly right. Dylan Riola plus 11,000. Come on. I mean, what's the point? 
At Arizona State, right? No, Nebraska. Oh, that's right. That's right. Oh, the fresh. Yeah. Who am I thinking of? I'm thinking of the guy that got Florida in yeah, trouble. I, I said Rashada like 30 oh, seconds ago. My fault. Oh, my no. fault. Um, yeah, there you go, everybody. Figure it out. Make a choice. Let it ride early on. Promo. Imagine a freshman quarterback in Nebraska winning the Heisman. <laughs> Might as well just rip your dollar bill in half. <laughs> Promo. Don't do that, everybody. Respect, spend and, and bet responsibly. Save as yeah. much money as you possibly can. Uh, see if your company has a 401k IRA match and take advantage of that, kids. Leverage Hold it on. to its full maximum capabilities. Promo requires $50 minimum deposit and rollover requirement of one-time deposit total, including your bonus for withdrawal for full terms and conditions. Visit mybookie.ag slash about-us. Bat and ball, Corey. Can't, yeah. can't go without talking about that. Uh, Florida State softball maybe back on track. Uh, 6-0 and in the dugout classic at Joanne Graff Field, taking out FIU, Charleston Southern, and Nichols State. Um had to squeak by on one of those games against Nichols 5-4. Yeah, walk-off. They're down by a run in the last inning, yeah. Otherwise, uh, they run rule three of their six wins. Um, let's see here. I mean, they won 7-3, 9-1, 9-2, 9-1, 5-4, 8-4, 7-4, 7-4, 7-4, 7-4, 7-4, 7-4, 7-4, 7-4, 7-4, 7-4, 7-4, 7-4, 7-4, 7-4
in that whole lineup, up and down the lineup. Like Devin Flaherty, we know what she is, and she's got the worst batting average on the team right now. But you know she's going to come around, and she does so much with every, everything else anyway. That's how good they are offensively. Um, they, they're, they're going to be a load offensively. It's just the pitching. What are, if the pitching comes around, this is I think it might be as good an offense, maybe a better offense than last year. Uh, it's just the pitching, though. So we hope we hope it comes around. Maybe uh, McKenna will have a, a even a better outing up in Oregon. Could maybe say some of the same things about the baseball team he said about the softball about the uh, yeah. softball team. Uh, Florida State's offense looked quite potent in their yeah. sweep of Western Carolina this weekend. Uh, victories of eight to two and eight to four on Friday and Saturday, and then a twenty to seven marathon. Yeah, uh, what was that? I mean, four and a half hours, four hours plus that game. Um, can't regulate that though. I mean, I just. 20 to seven game. These sort of things happen. Um, I don't know if Cam Leiter, Cam Leiter did not look nearly as dominant on Friday night as he did uh, when he started against Butler to get the season off, but nothing to, to be concerned about. Uh, and then Ben Barrett had a nice uh, relief appearance to stretch out uh, one of the outings later on this weekend as well. Um, where are you at right now? There's six and zero. it's just, you know, Lodis who I thought, you know, Alex Lodis, I thought was going to be like the preeminent kind of a transfer new addition to the team is not hitting all that well, but it doesn't seem to matter right now because Drew Farrow uh, is the real deal, and Daniel Cantu is uh, getting extra base hits, and Cam Smith is a machine. James Tibbs now has got two grand slams on the season already. Uh, not quite murderer's row, but I like what I see offensively, Corey, from this lineup. Yeah, yeah and going back to softball real quick, the reason I brought up Beecham, it, it's not just because she was incredible this weekend. It's what she did against good teams too, like legitimate top-ranked teams. Because Florida, the Florida State softball team has played a few of those. Uh, their pitchers can attest. They played some really good teams like Georgia and UCLA and uh, Stanford. And Beecham has hit those pitch that pitching too. That's the one thing we don't know about this Florida State baseball team. To get back to the point, yeah. is they played who they play the Butler, first two? Butler, Butler, Jacksonville, and then three against Western Carolina. Um, so we don't know for sure what they are going to be offensively. Uh, we know the middle of the lineup two three four is really good. I think Ross is a a good leadoff hitter, and they've got they 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 have stretched the lineup, man. Where like, um, yeah, Lodis is gonna be good, I think, right? Like you yes. don't you don't hit sixteen bombs and win freshman of the year in your conference at a, in a Florida school and not be able to play. He's just gotten off to a rocky start. He's had a couple of really bad at bats this weekend with the bases loaded, um, where he's just got to put the or runner on third. He's got to put the ball in play, and he just had awful strikeouts. But that you know that. Once he gets over that, that you know he's gonna. That's gonna play. Um, I I think that the offense will be good because I don't even think the offense has come close to reaching its power potential yet. Like they don't. I think they hit two home runs on Sunday and they're both Tibbs. And I don't know that they hit. What they hit one the rest of the weekend maybe. Like they're not. They're not hitting the ball out of the park much. Um, tip. But you know they. You know they will. Like Cam Smith is gonna hit some bombs. Ferrer is gonna hit some bombs. Um, Max Williams, I like that kid a lot. He, I don't know where they're going to play him when Ross is healthy or healthier, but uh, I like him a lot. I just, again, you know, wasn't impressed with what I saw Sunday on the mound for the most part. Yeah. And those are going to be – those are all arms that you're kind of wanting to count on. Again, though, it's like one – you know, so the kid that started the game. Yoel uh, Tejeda. 12 pitches, no strikes. Is that right? Correct, and that was a wrap. Yeah, that's that's gross. That's gross. And he is, he is not a freshman. He's pitched at this level before. I'm not sure what happened with him. You don't give up on him in that spot. Uh, maybe he does, he's not the guy that you want to tell him he's starting. Uh, clearly, he was in his head. Like he just 
couldn't throw a strike. Uh, but he's a guy that I think they're tr- wanting to depend on. But when you look at that bullpen, and we've seen all the arms now I think they're going to use, um, there's not a lot of, I don't know, man. Electric- Slammers of the door. <laughs> electricity back there, yeah. yeah. And uh, the best one they got is the freshman that's been really good. Gordon, is that his name? Carson Gordon, maybe? No. Um, right, let right. me look it up. He's But he's been really good. Um Carson Dorsey. Dorsey, Dorsey, I'm sorry. It just came to me right when I said that. So he's been good. He's a guy that you feel like you can count on. Other than that, though, I mean, there's this a lot of question marks still. So that that concerns you a little bit, but I do think the offense plays. Uh, the defense hasn't been terrible by any stretch. Cam Smith's made some great plays at third. That arm is really nice. Faroe's been really good, I think, in the field and at the plate. He's been dynamite at the plate, especially yeah. this weekend. But you know, I think he's a he's a he's a good player, man. That was a big pickup to bring him back. Catcher, you're not strong defensively there. No matter who you play back there, it ain't Buster defensively. But I think I think what you have at catcher offensively is very very good. But you know, you gotta you gotta knock down you gotta knock off the pass balls and wild pitches that are barely in the. I mean, you gotta block them. You gotta block it up better. Um, so yeah, overall, I, I like what you I like what I've seen. I'm not going to get too crazy about it yet because of the competition level, but I do think that this lineup one through nine is much deeper. It's longer, and I think you will start to see all these guys start to hit the ball out of the ballpark. That's just something they didn't do last year. They were last or second to last in the ACC in home runs. They that just wasn't part of their game. And in 2024. You're not going to score a ton of runs if you can't hit the ball at the ballpark. You've got to have guys that can mash it over the fence. They do. They just haven't done it yet. So hopefully that starts soon. Yeah, you know, to start the season, Whitaker was going to be the, the Sunday guy. He pitched yeah. midweek. Right. I'm, I'm sure he could have gone on Sunday, but obviously they were probably, uh, you know, intrigued about what uh, Tejada. I want to say Tejada, but I've looked at the pronunciation. And it says Tejada, so I feel Tejada. like I need, I need right. to like okay. lean into being Southern, like Yoel Tejada. Right. Um, but. So, like, Sunday's not a loss cause, but maybe whatever role they – because I guess whoever would lose out in that role is going to be either your midweek guy or your bridge on, you know, certain nights. Once they get that figured out, maybe it feels a little bit better. I thought Brendan Oxford did fairly admirable coming into, I think, a bases-loaded situation. Yeah. Um, you know, he's still trying to maybe work through some stuff. And uh, the saucer kid, I thought, looked fairly well. Um, and then yeah. who's the, – the, the Brady Lauk? Uh, yeah. Good, strong And then uh, Noah Short. Yeah. Pitched some and it wasn't wasn't terrible either. I just think right now, as you go into this after six games, and Andrew Armstrong is still in the mix, and you know, yeah, but you you know what he is, right? Um, but you you go into the you after six games, uh, you know you think you know that you got two front end guys. Light, you're right. Lighter wasn't as good, and he still gave up one earned run in five with eight Ks. So against a team that's not terrible, by the way, Western Carolina is a pretty good. They were one game away from the NCAA tournament last year. They played a tough conference, and they were picked to finish fourth. So this isn't a this isn't Butler. Western Carolina's got some dudes that can hit, and he gave up one earned run and struck out eight in five innings. So that's that's when you know you're pretty darn good is you have an outing like that, and it's like eh, it was, he was okay. Right. You know what I mean? And I'm not I'm, I'm saying you're right. He, he did just seem okay. It wasn't special by his standards, but he still was really effective. Uh, Arnold was really good. So you feel like you got two front-end guys, at least early. And then you've got Dorsey and Whitaker that you feel good about, too, I think. So you got four pitchers right now as you as you have you played six games. You have four pitchers that you feel good about. You'd like it to be double that. And you just don't have it yet. You Hopefully you get it, but you don't have it yet where you feel good about 
eight or nine guys yet. You, some of them are just incomplete. You don't know. And I'd throw Tejeda in that. I mean, yeah. he's a Division One pitcher, man. 12 six, straight balls seven. is nuts. Lefty, yeah. I, but that's crazy to throw 12 straight balls. That's just that's not who he is, clearly. You don't get to Florida State if you can't throw a strike. Uh, could be one of the quickest hooks, probably the quickest hook in Florida State history, I would think. Um, both pitchers. I think both pitchers didn't yeah. get a single out. That's um, crazy. Both what starting a game. pitchers. What yeah. a game four. Oh, I looked it up, As, or Aslan. I looked it up. I, I did the, uh, the pitch count. The total number of pitches was 419. Oh, my gosh. 419. Yeah. So, pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. So, uh, so yeah, uh, the the pitching, I think they're going to be better than they were last year, you hope, especially once Crowell went down and they had not a whole lot. Um, Arnold looks like a dude. He talks a whole lot of mess on the mound. Oh I guess gosh. that's – they have turned a corner there. I don't know if they went to some class that taught them this is what you have to do. I don't know if they just – somebody has a copy of the 2022 Tennessee baseball highlights, and they're like, why don't we do this? <laughs> because they have turned into some madmen on the field. But good for them. Whatever gets them going, you like to see some spirit and some passion. That's just how college baseball is now. Uh, so they're just fitting right in. But, yeah, we'll again, we'll, we'll continue to find out more. They're probably not going to go undefeated. Um, and they, they are going to lose some games. They're going to lose some close games because they're still not great at some of the details. But overall, it seems like a much more talented team, right, from top to bottom lineup and pitching staff, I oh, think. Oh, significantly. I mean, especially yeah. the lineup. But, you know, pitching is just going to be a concern. You just – I guess you hope once you get into April that Leiter and Arnold can be extended, like, into the seventh inning. Right, and correct. Then, you yeah. know, because you'll work up to that. So, we'll see how it goes. Uh, competition does step up a little bit. Tuesday, 5 o'clock, they'll take on USF at Hauser. Okay. So, uh, maybe get a little bit better data point on uh, where they stand and uh, how they fare. So, um, we'll do that. Tuesday is also the day that Seminole Headlines goes. Will there be a Seminole Headlines this week? Yeah, man. I'll just be remote. But, yeah, there'll be one. Won't be next week, but there will be one this week. Right. So, you're all welcome, everyone. 1 to 3 o'clock on Tuesdays. 1 to 3 o'clock on Monday. How long is this show? Has it been a two-hour show? <laughs> we good for a couple days? 475 pitches worth of talking. Yeah, man, this was, yeah, this was the equivalent of that game. We went like 11 minutes on storming the court, Corey. And by we, I, I know, mean you that's went 11 my fault. minutes on storming the court. I didn't even know you were going to ask me about it. I didn't oh. know I had that many thoughts about it. <laughs> I didn't either. I, I somehow just... I brought up Michael Ojo, RIP. <laughs> that's crazy. And that was even a court storming. So who knows where my brain, why my brain does that? I apologize, everyone. Uh, we will have an interview this week. We're thinking. So I think we're gonna we'll do a live show one week. We'll do a mailbag one week. We'll do an interview, and we'll, we'll try to. That'll be our little novelty for the for the week when we do these things. So we'll try to get an interview lined up. I think we finally have one lined up this week. There we go. Uh, nice. Scheduling didn't work out last week. It happens. Um, podcast life. I guess you know if we did like a live radio show, it's just like all right, can you do? Yeah, two fifteen. That's yeah, it. Because I was like, hey, whatever works best for you. Yeah, that's right. You got to give them a set time. I need to stop that's doing right. that. Yeah, I need to be like, yeah. hey, Thursday, two fifty-five p.m. Uh, we'll try to do that. We'll have plenty going on over at Warchant.com. Again, it's uh, NFL Combine week, so we'll be keeping an eye on the Knolls that are in Indianapolis. Uh, I need to stop saying in Indianapolis. That's a hard one, like shoulder yeah. surgery. Shoulder surgery. Yeah. All right, we're done. Uh, thanks for doing it with us, everybody listening. That is, he's Corey Mazlon. Thanks for listening to Wake Up War Champ, presented by Corner Pocket Barn Grill.